Hello! And welcome to We Heard Wonders, the music podcast that needs a little time to wake up. Wake up! Six months, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? <laughs> We're back. We're back. Things are different now. On the Zoom call, my face is really red and your face is really hairy. <laughs> yeah, why is your face so red? I have no idea. I actually don't even know. Does Not it, sure. It looks like you're in a submarine or something like that. I am. I'm in a lovely submarine. Um, yeah, how you doing, man? Good? I'm good, yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I believe we already wished each other Happy New Year, but for the purposes of the podcast, we have, a Happy yeah, New Year. Sneak it, and a Happy New Year to our podcast listeners, whoever is still out there. <laughs> we, we love you. We love you. We're back. We're back. Yeah, We're back. if you We're found back. us, then well done. Congrats. I mean, there's not too much to say about our uh, hiatus there. We were kind of busy. That's really it. You had a baby. Yeah, that's kept me busy, absolutely. Uh, you went on some nice holidays. And... Went some holly bags, yep. These things. Um, everyone was ill at Christmas. We had one of those Christmases where like everyone was ill. Um, everyone had COVID or chest infections or whatever, so plans were subject to change up until the last minute. Um, yep. But yeah, so You've I got some exciting it. news for this year? Yeah, I'm having a baby and all. Yeah, baby boy. Yes. Exclusive so news. It's a boy. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. I'll be in June. Um, so we'll see how the podcasting goes round about June. I don't know. We'll have to just wait and see. We'll have to just wait and see. But um, we started the year with the best of intentions. We actually started with very good podcasting intentions as well because we got together a couple of weeks ago and we we're going to do. We we're going to sync in with your Instagram review of the year. And then we had like some technical hitches, so it just didn't end up panning out um, as we'd expect it to. But it did give us the, you know, the the succulent taste of talking shit about music for a while. So um, it's it's (laughs) re-inspired us. Um, We should probably introduce ourselves, especially since this is the first first podcast in six months. So yes, thank you. My name is Andrew. I buy records and write about them on Instagram at kidagh86. Uh, my name is Ian, and I often find myself dropping to my knees like Jackie Chan in the film Who Am I? Screaming, Who Am I? Um, but I'm actually a guitarist in Glasgow band The Deadline Shakes, and you can find us on all the social media platforms at Deadline Shakes. So it's our classic, classic podcast formula this evening. It's never failed us before. So what could possibly go wrong tonight, Andrew? I wonder. Um, so we've got no, nothing five. Mean. Absolutely nothing. nothing. Absolutely not. Five fresh new tracks plus plus a little something something at the end from the archives. Um, so do you want to tell us who we've got? Uh, yep. So we've got brand new tracks from Liam Gallagher and John Squire. Plantoid. Yes. Murrin Bradley. Bill Ryder-Jones and Nino Villa. Okay. Some of those are more famous than others. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> Which is okay. what we do. That's what we do. It's what it's specifically what you do. So if you've not listened to the podcast before, if you've just seen us for the first time, Andrew has like a million records, and what's more, has listened to them all and knows things about all of them. Not really sure how that's possible. I can barely remember what I did this afternoon. Um, and so what we do is we listen to these songs and we kind of just review them so um i've heard these tracks a couple of times you've heard them a couple of times is that right andrew you've just listened to a few times uh, yep i think that'd be fair to say 
Yeah, so we're not like over prepared or over listened to them. We're kind of reacting in a kind of fresh way. And we're just kind of reviewing them, telling you what we think and moving on with our lives. And I think it's worked out pretty well up to this up to this point. So that's what we're going to do. Um, any other, have you got any other exciting, interesting musical news to share with us? Or shall we just batter straight on? Um, not particularly. I mean, as, as you kind of alluded to there, I finished my uh, roundup on Instagram of my favourite records of the year. So that, that that's always like a kind of enjoyable undertaking for me every year. So yeah, it was good to to get that done. Um, so if you haven't checked that already, I'd recommend uh, checking it out. So there's uh, a top sixty five altogether, and the top. It's always 50- a weird number. <laughs> <laughs> and the top fifty five of them have all got uh, relatively detailed reviews attached yeah. to them. Um, yeah. So yeah, so loads of stuff to dive into there that I'd recommend it's, you checking out. It's not a spoiler now to say that you chose Lancome, and I think Lancome's going to be top of quite a lot of lists, um, and already is quite top of quite a lot of lists, because um, it's just a sort of special record. Um, and and I think if everyone goes to your Instagram, which is of course the greatest Instagram ever created, and they look at your write up of the Lancome <laughs> record, if they haven't listened to it, I think it's a good strong reason to I think you express it in quite a um quite an emotion emotive way actually. I got the feeling that the, the record touched you a little bit. Uh yeah, oh that's nice of you to say. Yep. No, definitely, definitely. I think that that is kind of one of the things that kind of pushed it to the top ahead of maybe a few of us that, that were kind of uh you know really enjoyable records or really kind of worthy records for the year. But I think yeah, yeah. this one did kind of hit an emotional level and that kind of first listening that we had together in the podcast of the yeah. the opening track that was you know that was a kind of special moment for me in the year, I think. Yeah. And I, that, I that, don't... Album, that that track really kind of sets the scene for the album. Yeah, I don't always like Sometimes I don't have time to listen to the tracks in advance and sometimes I'm just hearing them for the first time when we're podcasting together. But that wasn't the case with that one. I'd heard that one um, and listened to it a few times in the days leading up to it and I was like, what am I even going to say about this? Like, it's just so... It's a gut punch of a, a it's a gut punch of a track, it's a gut punch of a record. And if you've not heard it, guys, you, you absolutely have to. It is the number one record of the year, um, I would say as well. I mean, I don't, I, I don't haven't listened to any... I haven't listened to a tenth of what Andrew's listened to, but... For me, anyway, it's the same. It's the same result. Anyway, on with the new. That's so twenty twenty three. What we were just talking yeah. about there, and now it's time to go into the future with checks notes. Liam Gallagher and John Squire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah. And it's uh, yeah, it's a this has been a long kind of muted uh, partnership. This they've obviously been mates for many many years. Um, and yeah, this is the first fruits of their labour, if you like. Um, and it's called Just Another Rainbow. Yeah, let's squeeze their fruity labours then and uh, let's have a listen to this. Here we go. Just 
Oh, there we go. I can just about picture a time in my life before that John Squire guitar solo started, but it seems <laughs> so long ago. So, so, so long ago. Um, I was young, and then that solo started, and now my grandfather. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a jest, but it is long. It's long. It is. He's definitely given himself some space to stretch out there, isn't he? Uh, it's fair yeah, to say. It is. He has. Um, so that's Liam and uh, John Squire. So for anyone who doesn't have a clue about that, I don't imagine you listen to our podcast if you don't know who those two are. But anyway, it's the lead singer of Oasis, Liam Gallagher, and the guitarist from The Seahorses. And The Seahorses. <laughs> Love is the law, as they say, uh, as the seahorses said. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a collaboration between those two, two sort of Mancunian indie rock legends, I guess is the best way you could put it. Um, and uh, legend has, I used to be a bit of an Oasis fan when I was a kid, but legend always had it that Liam and Noel were inspired to be in a band by seeing the Stone Roses playing um, after the first record came out in Manchester in like 1993 or something like that, 1992. And then just a few years later, they ended up becoming the biggest band in the world and the, probably the Stone Roses ended up watching them and uh, John Squire was on stage with them at big big events and stuff like that. So um, I can see the appeal of the collaboration um, from Liam's point of view, certainly. Um, it's an interesting one. It's not what it is. It's, it's both not what I expected when I first heard it and precisely what I expected at the exact same time. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I do, yeah. I've actually, I'm actually quite surprised with myself at how much I quite like this track, actually. I'm surprised um, that you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually kind of responded quite well to it, and um, I can't really remember the last time that I did respond well to a Liam Gallagher project. It was probably over 20 years ago at this point, probably yeah. like Heaven Chemistry either Oasis or something like that, I don't know. I always I always liked uh, Liam Gallagher's song Songbird. I, I always had a yeah. kind of simplistic charm that, that, that I liked. Two chords. Um, yeah, yeah. I, get, I think it was like was it like the second song he'd ever written or something like that. But it was, yeah, I've, I've always liked that track. But um, but yeah, this this track, um, it's not big. Well, actually, it's, it's still pretty big. It's certainly not clever. <laughs> uh, but but it but it's not as big as like some of Liam's more recent projects. I wouldn't say it hasn't got that kind of brick walled thick yeah. sound to it. They have given uh, space for for that guitar solo and the instruments. You can you can pick out all the different elements uh, in the mix, and it's a very kind of mainstream facing idea of psychedelic rock. But it's still you know a sight tinged rock track, and I'm kind of yeah prone to, to like that kind of thing. I'm kind of de- designed to like that kind of thing. So I think it's actually, for what it is, I think it's actually quite a good version of that, personally. I, I've i surprised myself by disliking it as much as I do, because when I when I grew up, um, uh, some of my earliest musical loves were Oasis and the Stone Roses. Um, so this this is like quite up, this is this should be quite up my alley. It just, it just isn't. It's like they got in a room together and said, do you want to just do a cover of Rain by the Beatles? And someone was like, nah, it's, no, no one's going to buy that. It's like, right, just stick that in the photocopier. And then when it comes out, photocopy it again and again and again and again. <laughs> and then we'll put that out. Um, the the baseline mm. is the baseline. <laughs> it is the baseline yeah. for Rain. It is. 
and the, the the rhythm is the is the rhythm from Tomorrow Never Knows. It's so Beatles inspired, and um, I love John Squire's guitar playing. Um, and I actually do like the Seahorses as well. I thought it was a good record for him to show off, like what he could do. Um, even though some of the songs were super naff, like Happiness is egg shaped and all that. Um, but um, this for me, this is just miles off his best. And I actually think it's John Squire that's the egregious culprit here. I actually think Liam sounds great. Like he's yeah, his first he line, everything. His vocals sound phenomenal. Um, and I kind of half expected when I heard I heard this saw this popping up on social media. I thought. They'll probably have done something kind of interesting or something that will kind of challenge you a little bit because it is such a sort of big meeting of the minds kind of thing. And they've literally just done the most obvious possible thing, it feels like. Um and uh I mean the lyrics aren't great, but I mean you're not you're not coming to a kind of Liam Gallagher record um thinking, let me be intellectually challenged here, but even at that, man, the bit when he just starts rhyming off the colours of the rainbow, it's like <laughs> red, orange, indigo, violet. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, jeez, man. But that's um, that's quite a psych thing, though. Like to to kind of listen yeah. to colours of the rainbow and talking about rainbows dripping on trees and things. I don't, I don't. I think that's part of it's kind of baked into the genre a little bit. I don't have, yes, a, I I don't have a massive problem with it. Um. And, so yeah, it's it's gonna yeah, it's taking it's over okay. the world. I think a little bit like looking at social media and stuff. Like everyone's talking about it. It's it's obviously done the thing it's supposed to do. I saw in the in a review of it, um, someone saying that <laughs> those guys, you know, the guys with the parkas and the, and the <laughs> wallabies and the and the Paul Weller like haircut and all that, they'll they'll think this is the best thing. Oh, ever, absolutely. Well, they, ever, they thought ever, that before ever. they even heard it. But yeah, it I was, know. The fact that it's actually, I think it's half decent. The fact that it's that they're saying it's a work of genius, you know. Um, and you can get it on a seven inch, Ian. Uh, so you've got this on the A side. You've got an etching on the B side. Yours for huh? fifteen quid. An etching, as in not a song. Not a song, just an etching. <laughs> All right. Um, what does that sound like when you flip the, flip the disc over? <laughs> uh, it sounds terrible, but it looks very pretty. Looks really nice. Looks really nice. One of the good things about John Squire's um, musical output is it always comes along with his artistic output as well. Um, so like the Stone Roses, the Stone Roses covers have the the big Warhol inspired like paint splatters. Like Jackson Pollocks. Yeah, Jackson Pollock, Sorry, not Warhol. Um, with the orange slices and all that on top. Um, and I believe he's done the artwork for this, which is quite. Um, I mean, it looks like a, it looks like a Who record sleeve, doesn't it's more it? More of a kind of pop art, yeah, type thing, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's maybe where I got my Warhol from, mixing up my Warhols and my Pollocks, um, <laughs> talking talking Pollocks probably. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to like it more than I did, but it just like that guitar solo in the middle just goes on, and it's from a technical point of view, it's just not even really that good. Like it's not super melodic. It doesn't really kind of like build in a logical way. Um, to a particular high point or build up it just kind of meanders um, and you're kind of just thinking is Liam coming back like is Liam coming back on and then he does at the end you're like okay that's good that's nice but I really like Liam on this like his voice um, like I quite like his melody lines um, dubious on the dubious on the choice of song structure and dubious on the guitar playing and all that but man if this came on the radio I wouldn't put it off I wouldn't put it off yeah, I think that's fair. And be rest assured that the, the, the album when it comes is the best album since the Beatles Revolver. Who said this? 
Or who do you think? Right. I mean, it, it almost is the Beatles revolver. Like, it's all, it almost <laughs> just is it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Liam's just... his best self-publicist. Like, he's the best there is in the business, isn't he? So. Yeah. Bamba Clart and what have you. Um, yeah, okay. So, I mean, I would listen to the record. I would listen to the record just out of curiosity more than anything else. Um, but I do think we have more interesting things to talk about today. That's... that's um, that's the big that's the big headliner, but who else we got? Because this next this next record is an interesting one, let me tell you. Uh kids. So this is by Plantoid. This yep. is a new one on me. It's a new one on me. New one on you, or had you had your eye on Plantoid? Um I I've I, I became aware of them a couple of months ago. So I knew that this this album's coming out on the second of February. And uh, yeah, I knew this was kind of coming down the, the track, so I thought it was kind of interesting. So it's a, it's a new year, but it's another interesting release from Bella Union, who are just ah. you know just just always killing it. Bella's Onion. Yeah. So Bella Union plus Brighton equals class, basically, doesn't it? That's the that's the deal. Yep. Um, so uh, this is Dog's Life by Plantoid. Here we go. <laughs>
So that was a dog dog's life. Sorry, you are you pointing to me there? <laughs> I was go. Thank you. That was uh, Dog's Life by Plantoid. Um, I very really came in a wee bit earlier because there's a kind of like a false ending and there's like that kind of weird spooky acapella bit. Yeah. Uh, so catching us out all over the shop. I'm uh, sorry to I'm sorry to have just used like podcast finger point codes that we've never used before. No, I know. Yeah, I was fans. like, I was does like, he mean that? <laughs> basically, I sort of lost my mute button for a wee second. I couldn't. I didn't know if I was going to be able to speak, so I just gave you the. And then nothing happened. Ah, uh, well, we're a bit rusty. What Slick do you as ever. So, do you know the the name of this band um, made me Google the word plantoid because I was like, surely this is this isn't just something they've made up. Surely this is a real thing. A plantoid is, um, an like a sort of robotic construction that is a man-made electronic device that mimics a plant. Did you, did you Google thing. this? Mm, no. Yeah. This is a cool. thing. Can you buy it's these in the shops? Uh don't <laughs> think you can buy them. It's a sort of experimental thing. I guess it'll be to do with ecology in some way, like trying to do a man-made thing. Um, because we like keep digging big holes in the rainforest and whatnot. So I presume it'll be something to do with that. But anyway, I just thought the name was really, really cool. Because it sounds okay. a little bit like Android, obviously, and plant. So I thought, ooh, yeah. Really up to have, have you seen the album cover for this? It is it is like a this giant part plant part ufo seed uh, with kind eyes of, kind of thing yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty it's really quite cool actually i like it it's, cool. it's very it's very prog and it's prog. very prog as well and they actually you they actually used an ai software to create the album cover as well mm. so it's kind of like playing into that kind of whole idea of synthetic uh or slash organic type stuff yeah new, new and old kind of thing Makes Cheap sense. Paper. And cheaper than paying a person to do it as well. So if I'm being very sarcastic about it. <laughs> yep. I can, I'm jesting. In case Planto don't actually listen, I'm jesting. I'm jesting. Because we've used a little bit of AI on here as well. Um, Back in the day, remember we did a podcast intro and got AI to write it for us and all that sort of stuff. So I, I do jest. It's a really cool album cover. And I think that um AI element of it, obviously... Is part of the story of it as well, so it's quite clever yeah. in that it gives them it's, it's something to hook into as well. So, um, yes, I do I do jest, but jesting over. What do you think of that? Um, I really like this track. Yeah, I think is they're a really kind of cool, interesting outfit. I think kind of experimental rock band, as you say, they're from Brighton, and they are just totally smooshing together lots of different elements. There's like so much going on. Mm. this track it's like it's under four minutes but they just pack so much in in a very kind of prog way yeah and a very kind of modern way as well i think that that kind of like jamming together of of like prog and jazz and hard rock and psychedelia as well um and uh, yeah i mean if you, if you ask me what the track's about or what the lyrics are about i wouldn't really have a clue but i think it is more about the the, the feel of the track and the vibe yeah. of the track and 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 the kind of twists and turns that it takes and how it kind of like forces you to kind of go on that journey with it. Yeah. And in quite a kind of dynamic way, I think, which 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 I really enjoy. Yeah, it's got strong elements of um math rock in there, you know, a bit of tool yes. in there. No, yeah, definitely. And like, bands like Battles and um maybe even a lot of the Mars Volta as well, maybe just a little bit of that. Mm. And, and certainly yeah. Black Black Midi who who we've played on the pod before, who 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 did that really kind of mad, maverick prog thing. 
I remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't forgotten. But the um, the effect almost accumulated that um, you remember the British band Everything Everything. Um, yeah. It's kind of got that. I think Everything Everything would maybe a little bit more commercially focused than this appears to be. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, this is really interesting. So it has like a kind of metally approach to riffs on guitar and bass and drums. But then you're sort of listening to the metal riffs and you're thinking, hold on, is this funk mm-hmm. now? And then the vocals come on over the top and they're kind of like almost like folky, almost ethereal in a way over the top. Um, and that's just the first like 25 seconds of the track <laughs> as well. It was, there's yeah. a load more that I'm not even getting into there. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of very, very clever, um, a lot of very clever stuff. Really well produced as well. Um, there's some sound effects in my my right head cup here, and I, I'm still not sure exactly what they are. I don't know if it's just compressed drums or whatever, or if it's a drill or someone screaming. I'm not really sure what it is, um, but it, it has a really like rhythmic, um, propulsive, um, kind of creepy kind of vibe mm-hmm. um, overall. So. Um, I'd love to see that live. I don't know how on earth anyone would play that live, but then yeah, people can do stuff, so I wouldn't be surprised. But um, is it just they're just a four piece? It sounds like there's a lot going on, but they must be so tight. Must be super yeah. tight, yeah. Must be super tight. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I would, if I was being um, super critical, I might say like, d- does it have like? Uh, a chorus that like you can hum along to and is super like is there a riff in there that's like an earworm super memorable um, yes something that, that you than, can grab onto yeah is remember. it more than the sum of its parts because it's 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 total of parts as many and they're all done really well and I think it does come together really really well and as you say it's, it is more of a vibe it's more of a feeling track rather than a kind of sing along anthem or whatever obviously um but even even the kind of you know experimental bands, the ones we sort of say are the, the sort of frontier leaders, like I won't mention them, but you know who I'm talking about, bingo daubers in hand, um, and so on. Like they're all very hummable and yeah, you know, tuneful to an extent. Um, so but this is just one track, so I don't know, I don't know what the record will be like. Have you heard the record? I've not heard the full thing, they've heard three tracks so far. Um there's there's one that there's one that's called Oh, I wrote it down somewhere, sorry. Um Pressure. The one, the one called Pressure that 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 is a bit that's got a kind of a, a bigger kind of almost like you could like a riff you could kind of chat along to. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more like something like the OCs would do. That's that's really cool. And then there's another track that they just dropped yesterday. Um that's a little bit more spacey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of proggy, but but yeah, just a bit more space about it. Um it kind of drifts a little bit more, so they are they, they are going for for different kind of moods, and uh, I think the album will be a bit of a journey yeah. that they're kind of taking the listener on. Um, and yeah, I think it, I think it will be a really interesting record when it comes out. So the album's called Terrapath, and as I say, it's out on the second of February, and I'll definitely be checking that out. Cool, love it. Um, so that's Plantoid with the track Dog's Life. Um, and now for something completely different, um, as the kids say. So um, we were we were texting back and forth just a little bit about this, and I 
said, well, that's me down a wormhole. Goodbye. And off I went. <laughs> um, so I have long, I watched a few YouTube videos um, by this artist. How would you, how are you pronouncing her first name? I believe it's Murrin. Murrin. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to butcher it and say like Murin or something like that. Uh, Murrin Bradley, um, who is, to, to quote local parlance, just a wee lassie. <laughs> a wee lassie, man. Um, but is like um, phenomenal on the guitar, like phenomenal. Um, and in quite a um, charmingly weird way, though, because who plays this music now? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody plays this. Like um, for for someone who is so talented and and so young, who could have, who could play anything on guitar, you know, she chooses things like Blind Blake and stuff. You know, it's it's a surprise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if uh, once we get through with this, the the YouTube videos I'd recommend everyone everyone goes a, has a listen to. And I've spoiled my review already. Damn it. Um, so what we got? What we got? Uh, yeah, so this is a track from Murrin's album, um, and it's a track called Richland Women Blues, um, originally done by Mississippi John Hurt in 1963, and uh, this is Murrin um, in 2023. And this or, is or definitely Murrin. not John Hurt off of Alien. <laughs> no, no he's too busy wrestling Pantoid somewhere. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right, Richland Women Blues. Says, 
Well, that's lovely. What are we calling that? Like country blues, delta blues, folk. Yeah, I guess it's sort of that. It's like a ragtime folk type thing. Yeah, but it's just I like I like that sound you make me. That just kind of puts you in a a really nice space, doesn't it? Ah, chills you out. It does. It's lovely. It's lovely. Um, I don't know. Um, I'd never heard Richland Women Blues before. I'm familiar with Delta Blues from um, an uncle of mine when I was growing up. He used to play me lots of songs like that. He could play a bit of that on the guitar as well. Um, that particular track, I'm not familiar with. Um, I, I, do you know, I have so many conflicting thoughts about this. I don't even know where to begin. Um, so why don't you tell me what you think and I'll I'll compose myself a little bit. Okay, um, I'll start by giving you a little bit of background about Maureen Brady, Bradley, because she's um, she's there's a bit there's a quite a bit of buzz about her at the moment, or a, a lot of talk about her. Um, so she's a singer and a guitar player from County Donegal in Ireland, and she first came to the attention of people through a video of her performing um, a 1920s Blind Blake song called Police Dog Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she recorded this version of it, she was only 13 years old. Um, just a wee lassie. Just a wee lassie, but just, um, lassie. just incredible finger-picking ragtime yeah. style. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that video got a lot of attention at the time. And then over the last few years, she's just been uh, posting different videos of her playing, I think it's just playing in her bedroom or playing in her house, uh, doing versions of these old kind of blues and folk uh, tracks uh, introduced to her through her dad's record collection so her dad's just a big fan of, of this kind of music and it's led to her re- releasing an album uh, that came out just at the very end of last year so the album was called I Kept These Old Blues and it is like a collection of covers of, of tracks that date back to the 1920s, there's stuff all the way through the, the 60s uh, through to the 70s uh, of these kind of uh, old blues standards um, and off the back of that album, she got a, an appearance on Jules Holland's Hootenanny show on New Year's Eve. Um, so she she was there seeing in 2024 next to Rod Stewart in the Pogues. Um, and she's still only 17 years old. So Just it's, a it's, pretty, man. Pretty, it's pretty incredible. Just a um, and, what did uh, Jules album, say? Um, I didn't actually watch Jules! it, to be honest. Uh, I'm sure he was very enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm sure, incredibly, he didn't. It, she managed to get through the performance without any boogie woogie piano coming in, but uh, <laughs> so that was quite an achievement. She, she's, she's getting the thumbs up from me just for that. Yeah. Uh, but off the back of that, uh, the album's just gone number one in the iTunes chart in Ireland, um, and it'll probably follow suit uh, in the UK. I wouldn't be surprised. That's um, mental. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's um, mental. And, and the album, it's just it's recorded in the studio, but it's all just one take, and it's all just her with a a guitar. That's all it is in, in the album. So, very very stripped back, very raw, and yeah, I think very cool. Um, I I, I don't know if this is maybe going to go into some of the things that you're conflicted with, but for me, I would have maybe quite liked her to do something a little bit more kind of subversive with some of these tracks, and maybe kind of bring. Uh, maybe a kind of more modern spin on it, maybe even like a kind of feminist spin on some of these tracks by these kind of old blues guys. Because um, a lot of the tracks, they are quite faithful in the yeah. way that she performs them. Uh, this track, for example, I mean, she doesn't change any of the words, I don't think, from the Mrs. 
Mississippi uh, John Hurt track. So yeah, maybe there'd be scope to do that and bring a kind of fresh perspective to it. But maybe I'm just asking too much from a 16 or 17 year old. But you know, that's something that that I would maybe have quite liked. Uh, that track, Police Dog Blues, that I was mentioning, it's quite cool. Uh, the first line in that is, um, all my life I've been a travelling gal. And I think that's quite cool when she yeah. sings it as a 13-year-old, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I would maybe quite like a little bit more like that. Just those, those kind of wee touches would maybe have kind of brought a kind of freshness to it. Uh, but I think through her, through her performance, uh, her delivery's got a kind of cool casualness to it that I think gives it a freshness. And the album cover as well has got this kind of illustrated version of of her uh, that kind of makes me think of something like the Juno soundtrack and the mm-hmm. way that, that that kind of used uh, kind of old rock and blues stuff from the 60s and different different uh, eras and that kind of thing. So I think there's, there's that kind of freshness to, to her approach, even though her actual readings of the tracks are quite faithful. Yeah. I just, I, I think I just... My main question is kind of like it's cool that someone can do this, and obviously yeah. her voice is different. And she's like, you know, think about Blind Blake or Mississippi John Hurt and think about her. And it's culturally so diverse. Um, I can't think really of them having a huge amount in common. So, how has, how has like 60 years later, 70 years later, has that music ended up there? in that lassie's ears and then she's you know producing the most unbelievable um simulacrum of the guitar playing mm-hmm. but with her vocal on top it just seems like crazy in a way so my initial my initial reaction when when i heard that first and when you sent me the youtube video was to like disappear down a rabbit hole and i was like that's really cool but kind of why like what's ultimately what's as you were saying there, I don't know about the, the feminist readings or whatever. I'm not sure about that, but what is she? What is actually being said here? And I know, like, feminist the, ones, just like an example. But I, I think yeah. just uh, just just have like a yeah, her kind of unique spin on it, or mm. yeah, as you say, why why what is it about this that you you love so much? Why do, why does it connect to you? Yeah, this? it needs to be more her and less. Yeah. Them, I think, is the issue for me. And also, and this is just a kind of simple one, um, her vocal delivery definitely sounds like someone who's playing very complicated Delta Blues on the guitar, um, which she is. And if she does it in one take, that's amazing. And if you see that live, that's amazing. But why, if you're in the studio, are you doing it like that? It just, uh, to me, um, some of the some of the, the, the vowels were all kind of crushed and nasally. Um, and I do think she has actually quite a nice voice, so it would have been better, I think, to just do them, do it separately, and put a little bit of production value to it. And someone will say, "But that's cheating. That's not the Delta Blues. This isn't the Delta Blues. It isn't. You know, it's not that. So just do something different." I'd have said. Um, but I think like this, yeah. this, this artist, this person, is way more than just a wee lassie. She's phenomenally talented, and probably has the world at her feet but the next thing will be okay you can play guitar like that that's amazing you obviously are very into this type of music what can you do with it you know how can you interpret it or how can you put a, a group or a band or a team around you and, and produce something that's like as powerful as Lancome for example um, that's a relatively kind of similar kind of um, 
genre yeah. point. Also from so, Ireland, yeah. I mean, there's there's, Ireland, there's yeah. so much, so much amazing folk music coming out of Ireland at the moment, and different, yeah, different types of folk music. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm sure that that will come with the, the, you know, the added production and that kind of thing. I think it just kind of, it, it suits her story at the moment for her to go into the studio and do it in one take just by herself. That kind of, yeah. you know, people buy into that kind of idea of her as being authentic in that way. But yeah, I think in future records she will, yeah, yeah, and it, and it might be to the detriment of the music. You never know. Sometimes that can happen. I'm thinking about like C6 Steve. You know, as, as soon yeah. as he he started kind of adding more instrumentation and stuff, you know, some of that kind of what initially appealed to people about him kind of was lost a little bit. We lost a little bit. Yeah, so you, you just need to be careful with that. But yeah, but yeah, still, it's a very cool cool story. I think to to start the year off with somebody like her. I think so, and there's also nothing wrong with her being the type of person who interprets standards and, and plays them and, and maybe there is a place <clears> for that and maybe, you know, people are listening to that and going, I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Elta Blues, not, not really familiar with it. So that's fine. No problem with that. But um, yeah, it's again, it's just a little bit like kind of why? Like what's where's where's this driving at? Um, but as such a young person, she has plenty of time to work all that out and um I think we would all say we wish our first musical project was as successful as that one. That's a good place to be kicking off from, really, isn't it? Um, Definitely. There's a there's a there's a few performances on YouTube of her um, performing these tracks live to an audience, and I actually prefer those. I prefer those to the the, the recorded ones. Um, obviously, they're both recorded, but I prefer I prefer the genuinely live, yeah. videoed ones in front of an audience um, to the recorded ones. That's just a little on the sterile side for me, which I think was what I was kind of driving at. Whereas the live ones have a bit more, well, they just have a bit more of the energy of live performance. And because of that, the nature of the type of audience who sees that is perfectly recorded. You can hear a pin drop in the room. Um, but you just kind of know that she's doing something like very difficult with a room full of people like eyeballing her while she does it. Um and the stakes aren't as high if you're in the studio or in your bedroom. It's just not the same thing. So yeah, there's a there's a little bit of jeopardy to it when she's yeah, doing some of that kind of intricate finger picking stuff. A bit of danger, and you know, it, it, as she matures as an artist, perhaps she'll start adding a little bit of danger in terms of, as you suggested, maybe into the lyrics, say something a bit dangerous or controversial or whatever. Um, who knows? Who knows where she'll go? But um, yeah, what a what a phenomenally talented person! Just unbelievable. Um, I actually had to like sort of rub my eyes a little bit when I was watching the finger picking because it's it's unbelievable. Like it's 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 she got a, a really nice the, the tone of her playing is very nice. It's not just the notes being battered out. She has a really gentle touch with the instrument. I think which really comes across. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about that kind of Delta Blues thing is she's using her thumb to alternate bass strings on the guitar to give you the, the heavier notes and it just propels the whole thing you don't need drums you actually don't need a bass guitar with that type of music it, it's it's its own thing all wrapped up into one it brings melody as well um it brings rhythm it's it's lovely stuff so i, I do like it i don't want to come across as some old curmudgeon with it but you know it's not perfect um and she's not the finished article but man holy shit what a guitar player agreed Heavy shit. Um, right, that's that. That's that done. Right, on to another Andrew favourite, this one. I think a little bit, am I right? 
I do, I do like him. I do, yeah. And I'm, I'm very fond of the Coral as well. I think we've talked about before in the podcast yeah. different points. Uh, so this is Bill Ryder Jones. So he was a a founding member of the Coral when he was just thirteen. <laughs> just a wee uh, guy. Just a wee guy. Um, just a wee scally. <laughs> and um, yeah, so he he uh, co-founded them at the age of thirteen, and then left the Coral in two thousand eight. Um, so it's been it's been a while since he's been in the Coral. Um, and since then, he's he's made a, a series of solo albums, uh, some really lovely solo albums, I would say. And he's also done some nice production for for people as well. Um, and um, yeah, he's he's returning this Friday, coming with his latest album. And uh, this is a track from it. This is called "This Can't Go On." Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot before I play on this. Have on. my own thoughts, which I will elucidate afterwards. Am I about to hit play on a stirring work of genius here? Yes or no? Um, oof. The G word's <laughs> quite a big one, but it's, <laughs> it's stirring certainly. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is kind of. I mean, bearing in mind our first ever podcast was, uh, you know, Desert Song Mercury Rev. I think there's there's definitely something of that to a this wee track. bit, a just wee bit. a wee bit. Um, so yeah, so definitely in our wheelhouse. This. Yeah, okay, okay. He didn't say yes or no, so I think we can <laughs> interpret what we want out of that. Okay, right, so this is This Can't Go On by Bill Rader Jones.
Okay, so the Zoom unmuting noise there, not actually part of the track, which I was <laughs> doing my absolute best to just let gently, gently fade out there. Apologies, mm. everyone. Um, mm. So, yeah. Yes. I, I, Genius in it? Nah. What do you think? I don't think so. I like it. Nah, it's, it's not genius, but it's, it's very good. I do really like it's it. It's good. It's good. It's grasping, like, for... It's grasping for something huge, isn't it? It wants to be massive. Yeah. Um, and it's got lots of like ingredients that work on that scale. So as you said, like um it really it really is like deserter songs in it. It's so much like Goddess on a Highway, like it's, it really has the synth sound almost exactly. Um there's a bit, you know, there's a funny, it's a funny sort of trend of the tracks we've talked about tonight of of being kind of derivative in a way and uh, not so much plantoid obviously but you know Liam Gallagher and John Squire quite quite derivative and then uh Maureen Bradley Murrin Bradley apologies um yeah literally covering Delta Blues tracks and then this has that kind of distinct um late 90s um kind of vibe to it um and he's got like all the references in the lyrics to classic music songs of the past like Killing Moon and and Fun 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 and I Want to Be Your Dog and all these kind of things. There are all, all these yeah. references to classic rock songs in there as well. So it is um, reverential, I would say, rather than um, rip-off, certainly. Um, yeah, it just doesn't quite just doesn't quite get there, does it? For me. Yeah, maybe not quite. Maybe not quite. Um, 
his voice is kind of very low in the mix, and it's almost as if he's kind of like straining to be heard over this. Uh, you know, kind of yeah, as you say, that he's really kind of striving for for epic. The music's yeah. really, and he's kind of trying his best to kind of keep up with that, I guess, and not quite kind of reaching it. But um, I think there's a little bit of that kind of striving that kind of works with the the idea of the song, though, because he, mm-hmm. he's trying to like pull himself out of some kind of uh, slump that he's in. Uh, so he's kind of talked in the past about really struggling with like depression and agoraphobia and things like that. Um, and this track kind of deals with that quite explicitly, you know, talking about feeling like a little boy, got to get it right and get it right soon and got to get outside and get some sun. So it's that kind of idea that he's he's trying to get himself out of that kind of slump and he is striving to, um, yeah, to do that. And, and he's maybe using these songs that, that kind of give him comfort to to do that. You know, I think, I think there's, there's that kind of element to it where, where he's, He's he's finding kind of solace in in these tracks that that he loves. Maybe maybe, maybe they are songs from his childhood. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. kind of all all in there in the track. I like all that aspect of it. I do like the lyrical simplicity as well. It's not um, it's not hard to follow. It's it's nice and it's nice and simple, but it does have an anthemic kind of um, kind of feel to it. it. I wonder if this is a kind of track where. Um, He's maybe sat down and he's thinking about his record or where he wants to go or the kind of sound he's got in mind. You know, he's got a kind of an idea of, you know, Mercury Rev inspired stuff. He's got that before he's started. And then, mm-hmm. like, he's kind of writing to that idea as opposed to, you know, kind of just sitting down with a blank sheet of paper and, and just playing. And, and the song comes together first. And then it's like, right now, I need to find a you know, a genre or a feel or a whatever, a vibe for this song. Feels like it's maybe more vibe first. I don't know. I'm basing that on complete guesswork, but that's just how it feels to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing uh, unpleasant in this, in any part of this recording. Every part of it sounds great. I love the guitar playing. Um, just really simple, subtle um, kind of tangy guitar strums, especially right at the end when you can hear them nice and crisp and clear. The piano just being kind of gently vamped all the way through. Um, the synth, the drums, it's all, it's all really, really good. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, I, I, I just couldn't put my finger on it, but it is kind of missing something, but I just don't really know what it is. It may be the vocals, to be honest. Um, although given the, the personal nature of the song, it'd be difficult to imagine I'm asking anyone else to sing it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. An interesting yeah, one. I think, I think that's fair, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of his other tracks, a lot of his other albums and projects have been a little bit more kind of modest in terms of, like, the instrumentation and stuff like that. It had a really lovely album that was kind of um, acoustic guitar and piano called A Bad Wind Blows In My Heart. That's uh, a really lovely album, and then they had one that was a little bit more kind of like pavement influenced, almost in terms of like kind of like scuffed up guitars. Um, it was called West Kirby County Primary. Uh, it was also good, but it was a lot more kind of raw. So I think he is going for something that's a little bit more widescreen here, and he's kind of throwing everything at it. Apparently, there's like children's choirs and things on other tracks, and so yeah, so he is kind of throwing the kind of kitchen sink at this. Um, and there's a kind of northernness to the whole thing. Um, I'd say like the video for this has got like a kid 
uh, kind of walking through the streets. I'm assuming it's Liverpool, but it's got a very yep. kind of it's got a very kind of Kes like feel to it. It does. Um, yep. So there's there's that kind of like northern wistfulness, that kind of melancholy to the whole thing. Uh, but that, that kind of northern ambition as well, I guess we're talking about Oasis, you know, it's that kind of taking on the world kind of thing. And yep. maybe he is he is kind of deliberately going for something that's a little bit um you know over ambitious maybe. It's um, as but, northern but, but, it, as, but, but it's it's a motive. It is a motive. Yeah. It's northern as killing your brother's kestrel. <laughs> <laughs> no more northern than that. Um yeah, so I, I really like this. I think this would be an interesting um project to follow up on. But once I'd listened to the track a couple of times, it just made did make me think could be listening to deserter songs. And I could be listening to Ian and Andrew's podcast on Deserter Songs as well, furthermore. So um so yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's just um it's another almost like a mood piece in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much. All right, so that takes us on to our fifth and final uh track of the week. Um Nino Vilia. Vilia, yeah. Vilia. The G is silent. That's right. Yeah. Um comes from Georgia, doesn't he know? Correct. Along with a number of my favourite footballers ever, like Kinkladze or Rangers legend Shota Arvaladze. You know, or Kianishvili. These are all footballers come to mind. Um, I don't know much about Georgia other than that, to be honest. Do you? Uh, no. It's but a Georgian. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a famous Georgian. Uh, of course, it's a famous Georgian music that you know about that I don't know about. Uh, uh no, to be honest, no. not especially. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I wasn't trying. Wasn't trying to uh, trip you up there. I was just wondering, like, if you were going to say, "Oh, no, well, of course, there's the." Famous uh, nose flute played by um, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, it's a bit okay. of a blind spot for me, to be honest. A blind spot, yeah. Well, embarrassing, but let's move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, Last Trip by Nino Villia. Across the 
Just ending with the moodiest mood piece of them all there. Wow, 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 wow. Oof. Still going. That's a field recording of something beating against something else. Something. (laughs) (laughs) I am so glad you brought this track into my life, Andrew. I really am. Because it brought me back to um, one of my favourite features ever on this podcast, which is, does this artist's website pass the bullshit sniff test? And this one is honking, man. This one is unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, I like the track. That's neither here nor there. Here's what their website says, right? Um, Nino Velia collaborates steadily with... Zevai Bordovac, uh, synth and keyboards, and Pietro Caramelli, electric guitar and vocals, with whom she is about to release her first album manifesto, Nicole. But Nino Velia, <laughs> but Nino Velia does not exist. <laughs> Nino Velia is a fictional character on whom young filmmaker Edmund Lavash is making the mockumentary songwriting in times of a global crisis. Nino Velia responds to interviews, composes and performs in public in situations somewhere between concert and talk. What do you think of that? Oh, I know. <laughs> you, you, you've stolen my notes here, Ian. You've sorry, my notes. Sorry. I was gonna sorry. I was I was wanting to blow your mind with all this stuff. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love it. I love it so much. I actually genuinely love it because uh, there's some folk just cutting about 
doing like Beatles covers in their like in the fifties and that that's that's Liam Gallagher and John Square and there's people out here just <laughs> floating about just doing yeah. arty stuff having a great time. Well, there's um, there's, there's, a, there's a brilliant little. I say brilliant. There's a, there's a little clip of uh, Nino Velia sitting in what looks like a cabin, and she's talking about her backstory and her process and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, so she talks about growing up near a beautiful little lake in Georgia, <laughs> uh, but, but before uh, travelling around Europe because her parents were mushroom pickers, um, and she said that this this gave her the you know the kind of idea to to live the life of a traveling, you know, a traveling uh, musician with a fairly wandering life. Um, so she kind of talks about how love songs are pathetic devices, but they work for humans because we are pathetic ourselves. <laughs> There's all this kind of stuff going on, and then she says that she'd like to create a literary character, imaginary identity, to explore the idea that songs can reprogram our sentimental and political bodies. Mm. Um, but she says I'm no good at pretending though, so I am just Nino Velia. But um, um, but, but Nino Velia <laughs> does not exist. Does not exist. <laughs> yeah, wow, unbelievable. Yeah. So unbelievable. so yeah. So that is the thing. So like, there's a kind of meta thing going on there. So the, Nino Velia is actually the creation of another artist uh, by the name of Julia Deval. <laughs> <laughs> The plot thickens. Uh, um, and she's invented <laughs> Nino uh, in order to help us reflect on the place of the songwriter in times of global crisis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit much, isn't it? It's a bit much. And uh, um, the part of uh, Nino Velia, played by Juliet Duval or whatever, um, is actually going to be played by Willem <laughs> Dafoe. <laughs> In the forthcoming uh, Spider-Man I you were sequel, say ja- Jared Leto. <laughs> Jared Leto in the forthcoming Spider-Man sequel, Spider-Man Four, uh, <laughs> Nino Velia's No Fee Georgia or something. <laughs> uh, Nino, Nino, way home. <laughs> this one's a belter, man. This one's a belter. Actually, as well, you've got to have some. Uh, you've got to have some schutzpah to be. Um, to be doing this, you know what I mean? Because you're really putting yourself out there front and centre. Um, and it really is aggressively telling us, look, this is art. This, this is, is art. arty stuff, by the way. Like, everything about it, like, the the whole presentation, the, the words, the imagery, even the music itself with the little, little feathery tremolos and the singing and everything, it's, it's achingly wanting to be um, arty. And... You know, it's it's a nice it's a nice wee folky track, um, but I don't know. I just I just really find all that it's the Scottish people in us. I think <laughs> you know they just can't let people yeah. just do things like that. You have to just tear them down and just be like, "Who do you think you are?" Yeah, I mean, on this don't case, get... literally, who do you think you are? No one really knows. <laughs> don't get any ideas above your station. Kind of thing, but... No, even even on the list of instruments used on the records, <laughs> it's Nino Velia. So Nino Velia's name is in italics, right? Everyone else's name isn't because Nino Velia does not, That's not exist. Good and Nino plays. Uh, Nino does vocals and plays toy guitar. Mate, I've been playing guitar for thirty years. What is a toy guitar? I mean, it must literally just be a guitar that's like made by Fisher Price or something. I don't really understand. 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's a translation thing. I don't know, but that's a weird one. No, because other 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 people just play guitar, so don't know. Uh, Nino, um, if that is Nino's real name, <laughs> also has a very like distinctive like haircut. Um, but it's like all like feathery and chopped, and then the fringe is like fringe was like, one of those like, really short fringes, like the guy from Slade in the seventies. You remember that that fringe? I do, yeah. Dave Hill, the guitarist, yeah. So it's a full, it's a whole thing. It's a full, it's a full thing. I'm so glad we played this today. We haven't even talked about this track one <laughs> bit. You knew, you knew what you were doing here. You yeah. knew what you were doing. Um, I will say that I actually really like this track. Um, and th- th- this actually, this is the latest release on my favorite new, my new favorite record label, uh, which is a record label called Hive Mind Records. Um, they're actually based in Brighton as well. Um, and uh, they released two really fine records last year by Ricardo Diaz Gomez. And there was another one called Seljuk Rustam. Um, so so, so, so Hive Mind kind of specialise in this kind of international uh, music that's a little bit kind of on the fringes, I would say, a little bit arty. Uh, but really interesting stuff. And I'd really recommend checking out their releases and um that this this track I, I do I do find it quite enchanting actually. I, I like I like those kind of like trills and squiggles of electric guitar. It kind of remind me of like do I feel like luminous dragonflies or fishes kind of going across my, my earphones. I really enjoy they've them. Infe- they've infected you man. Reminds me of Fairport Convention or something like that, but it's not. It reminds me of <laughs> purple butterflies. <laughs> I'm swimming with the fishes. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's got that kind of lovely psych folk thing that you know, you know that I love that kind of stuff. So like that yes, kind of Arsty Bunyan, Linda Perhacks kind of thing. So it's got that to it. Um, and yeah, and so it, the, what what they're doing is they're releasing two EPs that are then going to be combined to be an album because they can't just release an album; it has to be two EPs that are interlocking in some way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing the whole thing. I think I think there'll be a lot, lot, lot to kind of uh, dive into uh, with, with this with this project. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope if if anybody from from the group is listening, I hope they don't think we're taking the piss too much because it's all coming from a place of love. It the is. fact that the fact that I've brought it in, um, yeah, suggests and tells you that that I do I do value this kind of stuff. Yeah, don't worry if they are listening because, of course, <laughs> Nino Velia does not. That's not exist. Exist. <laughs> It's like the experts. Um, okay, so five new tracks rated. I feel like I've been a bit negative this week. I don't mean to be. This is no, no. I think you've. I, I think you, no, I think this is. You, 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 I can see a critical mind boring. You know, oh. It's always. <laughs> nice to, it's like a steel trap. <laughs> uh, the old critical mind of mine. Um, so uh, yeah, so that brings us on to our final track of the day. And for those of you who don't know, this is where uh, Andrew digs through his many crates and pulls out something from his actual record collection that somehow ties up, sometimes really closely, sometimes in a bit of an obtuse way, with something that we've listened to um, today. And we call that segment The Vinyl Word. And usually at this point, I take a moment to like uh, prompt you to go to all of our various things, like our Instagram, at We Heard Wonders, or our 
Bebo. I don't know if we have. I don't think we have a Bebo. <laughs> so probably don't go to that. Uh, um, or our buymeacoffee.com slash wonders page where if you enjoyed today's podcast and you want to fling us a couple of shekels, um, if you enjoy our bizarre chat at times then um please please help us out making this podcast we are back we do intend to do a bunch more so um so please do that and andrew if you're ready what's the final word i thank you sir um so yes yeah, so i thought this would be a good opportunity to play a record or a track from a record that i've not played in years actually all the way through it was it was a record that i enjoyed when i was a teenager um, and it was, it was. I remember buying the enemy in the kind of early two thousands, and I think, I think there was like a poll of like the greatest albums ever made, and this was number one. Do you remember that? Do you remember yes. you buying the enemy around that time? Distinctly yeah, remember so it. I, yeah. I think it's it's kind of. I think it's maybe fell away a little bit in terms of its kind of critical standing, maybe, and in, in, the, in the kind of last ten years or so. But I still think it's it's a it's a fine record, and it's a very ambitious record, and it, it's it's a lot kind of stranger than. You, you, you know the, the kind of the, the the acts that it went on to inspire, and I'm talking about the, the first Stone Roses album, and I thought it'd be quite interesting to play out a track that we don't hear on the radio very often, um, mainly because you know it is <laughs> a backward version of Waterfall, basically, um, but yeah, I think just the fact that they they were willing to put this on their record and put it in the middle of the record straight after Waterfall rather than you know jam it at the end or or, or on a B side. Um, I think that kind of showed their kind of their psychedelic tendencies, but also their ambition. And you know, it's, sometimes if you if you were to like play play a track backwards, that would maybe suggest that you'd kind of run out of ideas. But I think on the contrary, this showed that they were kind of willing to try anything really on that debut album. Um, and yeah, I still think this is like probably the most psychedelic thing they did, and therefore it's one of my favourite things that they did. Yes. Um, so the the, tra- the tracks don't stop. Uh, from the first Stone Rose album. So if you haven't heard this in a while, see what you think of it. Yeah, I'm going to just chuck in as well. This is a really interesting track because when they played it backwards, apparently in the studio, they all thought, oh, like when they played Waterfall backwards, they all kind of thought, wow, there's something really kind of cool and melodic about this. Like it really works backwards as well as forwards. Um, But the drums were kind of difficult to discern they sort of didn't the drums didn't really make sense going backwards so they've actually they actually added some percussion on top of what was already there and then um rennie and ian brown re-recorded vocals for the track to just kind of strengthen because sometimes reverse vocals don't sound very strong because you're getting the the weakest part of the the lyric at first rather than the strongest part um so they wrote some lyrics. So if you actually look at what they've written, if you actually look at the lyrics for Don't Stop Rendering, it actually makes zero sense with this just because they're working with waterfall backwards um, kind of thing some of, the, some of the time. So it's just sort of what it sounded like. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, indie, this is this is about as far as anyone could yeah. really go mm-hmm. um, in a psychedelic way, in an experimental way. So, And they always had, be- amazing, always had an amazing rhythm section you know on those on those records yeah whatever you think of ian brown as a vocalist that the instrumentation always sounded brilliant um and yeah i think this is as you say this is as far out as they as they went probably yeah lovely stuff okay so it's uh, a hearty thank you for listening and a goodbye from me yeah and a goodbye from me see you you next week
Victory. Victory.